Good morning. God is good? Okay, the response to that, I'm going to bring you to Freedom in Christ Fellowship for a minute, is all the time, and then I'm going to say all the time, and you're going to say God is good, and we're going to do it just like every time they said joy and you screen. Ready? So God is good all, all the time. time. All the time. God is good. Amen. And the reason I, I brought that here today was because Sean reminded me that uh, sometimes I say that in church and I say, do you believe that? Um, because sometimes it's, it's a struggle. And um, this morning when I was driving uh, my wife and daughter to Hershey Medical, um, I need to remind myself that God is good. And my daughter is asking, well, why? Why is this happening? And I'm, and I'm using the illustration of Joseph in the scripture and, and that what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God meant for good and that, that God is good. And then, and then shared a little bit of some of the things that have happened in my life and things that make up for a journey. Um, Joy uh, worship team, that was amazing. Um, that ministered to my heart and it felt like every song was selected for me. Um, and, and during worship, uh, just to let you know, as somebody who's going to preach God's word, that's an area where uh, sometimes I'm not as engaged in the worship because I'm letting go. Um, and, I, and I'm saying, okay. And I just, I really felt ministered to. And, and even the, the first Peter, um, um, you read that in, in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which into the angels long to look. Um, and, and driving back, like I even said it to my wife, like I feel like I should be there, but, but I also feel like I should be here. And, and there, there, there was a tug of war. And then, you know, Satan jumps on your shoulder and he's like, well, what are you doing? Bad dad of the year award, you know. And, and then you read that verse and, it, and, and then those songs. And, and I feel like God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. You know what? Thank you so much for watching that, that introduction. Um, I hope it works well as an introduction, not just for me, but for Sean. Um, just partnering and, and walking alongside of Sean has been a joy. So th this message, as I set the stage, what things I want to do is look at Sean's life and uh, this one individual here and, and how uh, we have made room and made space for Sean but I also want to see that, uh, some differences uh, in the scripture um, where Jesus uh, came into the picture and gathered his disciples. Um, and in telling this, I feel like there needs to be a disclaimer um, because a lot of times our minds wants to do one size fits all. And that's, you know, and then we create a program. Um, but the answer uh, to, to creating space, and that's kind of what I want to talk about, is going to be different for each of us. There's, there's not a, a clay pot model for this. Um, so know that. And, you know, it's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ uh, is that we're so vastly different, but the same. Uniquely created to give God the glory that is due to his name because Jesus Christ came into the world and he forms us and fashions us. And then we're a, we're a, a mess of a body and we come together and we glorify God, and, and sometimes it looks good and sometimes it looks bad, but you know what? In the grand scheme of things, God is good. All the time. All the time. So, so Sean uh, is here with me today. He's going to be sharing. 
Uh, Sean started to uh, uh, attend church from the streets. Um, and whenever you hear something like that, that means that uh, he didn't come from church background. Streets is typically a word for uh, uh, doing bad things. Okay, so so I'm just uh, let you know that. Um, and it's a clear indication when I say Sean didn't attend church uh, from the streets, like it, it, that, you know, something was was broke. Um, and so um, I met Sean at uh, Lebanon County uh, Correctional Facility, um, and you saw the picture of Jim Arch. He was the chaplain at the time, and I was doing Bible study. One of the things that Sean always brought to each Bible study was a smile. Right, so so I, I knew who he was without really knowing who he was at the time, uh, because he, he brightened up the room, um, and so I'm just going to let you, because you probably do better sharing about your life than I do, um, <laughs> share a little bit about your first interaction with church. Okay. So I'm gonna just give you the first 28 years of my life in three words. Right, it was godless, it was hopeless, and it was bondage. Um, without God in my life or in my world, I was ultimately under the bondage of sin and death. And that played itself out in many ways in my life, but predominantly in drugs and alcohol. Um, heroin was my downfall. It left me to many trips to jail, um, which is where Jesus came and saved me. Uh, when I was broken, he reached down and he grabbed me. Um, I went through a bunch of different jail stays, but we're going to talk about the last one. Um, I was getting ready to do a three-county tour, which means I was going to go to jail in three different counties. So I was going to go to Lebanon, I was going to go to Lancaster, and I was leaving Dolphin and had to go back to Dolphin and then back to Lancaster. Um, that's where I met Mike Clancy was in Lebanon uh, County Jail. Um, I attended some of his Bible studies. Uh, we got to talking uh, one time after the Bible study, and he told me that he was a pastor of a Mennonite church. And, and, and it caught me off guard because, like, I looked right at him. I'm like, well, you don't look Mennonite, bro. You know what I mean? Because you really don't. <laughs> um, but that's where I heard about the Jubilee program. Uh, Jim Martz introduced me to that. And after that three-county tour, uh, I left Lancaster County Prison and was released to the Jubilee Ministries program. Uh, that same day I got there, they released me on a Sunday morning. The same day I got there, uh, John Sipe, I don't know if you guys know him or not, but he came out, he said, drop your bags, we're going to church. Um, I've never been involved in church. I'm what you would call unchurched. Uh, you could drop me off at any hood in the United States, and if you don't know what a hood is, that's like the urban area where drugs and violence prevail uh, and darkness really wreaks havoc on the community, you could drop me off any place in the United States like that, and I'd be perfectly fine. But you dropped me off at a church, and it was like the most uncomfortable experience that I've ever had, right? So people were coming up to me and like hugging on me and loving on me, and it was just really strange. Uh, that was at Freedom in Christ Fellowship, um, which is now my home church. Uh, and then I seen Mike preaching at a Mennonite church, and Jim Arts was there, and I just felt the presence of God there um, and have been following faithfully and doing what he'd have me do. In the video, it said something like two years. That's a little outdated. We'll have to get on Justin when he gets back from sabbatical because he made it. 
with Ron. They, they, they both helped make that. If you saw the beginning thing and when Sean was talking, you might recognize that sign was in the background. So why am I here today? I'm here to encourage us on how to create space for one new family, one new person within our uh, spectrums of worship, in our, in our homes, in our communities. Um, and and it, to answer that question, um, I got to get specific about how space was made for me when I graduated Jubilee Ministries uh, in 2004, and there was a gentleman by the name of Daniel Miller uh, who was the pastor of Freedom in Christ, where I pastor now, and he works at Jubilee, too. So I know a bunch of Jubilee people, employees here, so should know him. Um, at the time, he wasn't my father-in-law. He did such a great job, I married his daughter. Um, but Daniel Miller was a man who, who loved the Lord, didn't come out of any background of addictions, didn't know how to minister to a, a, a person coming out of the background of addictions. But do you know what he brought to the table? He loved Jesus. He loved Jesus so much that he was willing to take me aside and disciple me. And not only take me aside and disciple me, but teach me what it means to be a discipler who makes disciples who makes disciples. And in this area of community, where his loving kindness brought me into his family. He, he, he walked with me. We, we sat around the table. I met his wife. I met his daughter. Um, we read the Bible together. We did work projects. If anybody knows Dan, you're swinging a hammer with him at some point. So we did work projects together. Uh, he invited me to his house, birthday parties. He took me to events, fundraisers, discipleship class. If something was going on within the body of Christ, he made sure to give me a call and take me there. When I got my first apartment outside of Jubilee, he set me up with, with a Bible study. So now all of a sudden, on Wednesday nights, people are coming into my house, and I'm leading a Bible study. He equipped me. He was my first supervisor when I left Jubilee, and they had a construction uh, site there. And you know what it was? It was all about me emulating Daniel Miller as Daniel Miller eliminated Jesus Christ to me. And so when I made room for Sean, it wasn't outside of the box. It was very normal for me. It was very holistic because it was natural, because it was what was done in my life. I was just discipled in the way that I discipled Sean. If you've never been in a discipleship relationship, I understand this is challenging. And I would encourage you to be in some kind of discipleship relationship with somebody else and what does that mean okay well it means doing life together and what I mean by doing life together is you're you're experiencing a journey of your own life and you're bringing somebody into that journey so you walk into my house and my wife offers you coffee so I go over to Mike's house because Previous to that, I asked him to be my mentor, and his response to that question was no, which like I was kind of heartbroken, but then he grabbed me and said, but I'll do life with you. So I go to his house, and we're having talks about baptism uh, and mentorship, 
uh, and his wife walks into the room and asks me if I'd like some coffee, and I'm like, yeah, I would love some coffee. And then she asked me, do I like creamed sugar in my coffee or do I like it black? And I was so uncomfortable that I was like, black's fine, black's. And she was like, no, I'm asking you, Sean, do you like cream and sugar? And I actually do like cream and sugar in my coffee, but like it was strange, it was a strange environment. Um, and as we're sitting there, like, so we pray for the meal. I've never done much of that. And his children are there and we're having conversation. And in the middle of the meal, like, I just looked up and I was like, I just have to say something right now. This is really awkward, right? I was very uncomfortable. And I got to look at him and say, well, let me tell you a little bit about awkward. <laughs> because I went into Dan and Joyce's house. And if you don't know Dan and Joyce, Joyce wears a dually on her head, right? A little, little thing there. <laughs> she knows that I call it that, right? But she had a prayer covering on and, and, and their house was really neat and put in order and, and, and I was extremely awkward at Dan and Joyce's house. And I was extremely awkward coming into the church, coming out of prison. And so I've experienced some of what this awkwardness looks like. And so the reason that I said to Sean, no, I won't mentor you, is because a lot of people that are coming out of these areas are looking to be a project for somebody to fix. And I wanted to cut that. Because mentorship, discipleship, doing life all mean the same things. But what the, how is the person going to interpret what that means? And I knew when Sean said, will you be my mentor, that was a requirement that he needed to fill and that he really did want to be mentored in Christ Jesus. But I wanted to strip out that institutionalization. You heard him three, three tour, right? I always think of uh, Gilligan's Island, too, when you say that. Um, so, so I wanted to, to, to take that away. And so I take that away with the simple word of doing life together. I realized that I'll use that word doing life together to the point where I'll have to change that word because eventually that word will become the same because that's what we do. And it's, it's about the definitions of what is going on. And so when he said that, which was really beautiful, um, you know, hey, Mike, this is awkward because he, he shoots from the hip and I can relate to that if you know me at all. Um, and then the miracle happened. Uh, I was doing what Daniel Miller does. I was taking him to different things. And this particular evening, it was the Eastern Mennonite Missions banquet that I took Sean to. And on the way home, Sean said, you know what? I'm going to do awkward until it's not awkward anymore. <laughs> and I realized that, you know, I, we hit the ball out of the park. And so when I say all that, keep in mind Daniel Miller didn't come from that background, and he discipled me. Now, just because I come from that background and I am discipling Sean, um, you know, it, it's not, what I'm saying is not about these relation issues, but it's about Jesus. And I'm going to turn to Scripture now uh, because I want to show us some things that I think are pretty fundamental in discipleship and how coming out of different backgrounds, and how we move about and how we minister and, and how we walk and how... God directs us and how God brings people into our lives and then what we do with that and, and some of the, the, the things that get uncomfortable. And so it's going to be here, but I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1, um, verses 35 through 49. Um, and it starts off, let's see, you want to start me off? Oh, did it, does, it, does it turn off? All right. I'm just going to let you power it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this here. It starts off right now. Now to set the stage, uh, John is 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 baptizing.
people. Um, this is Jesus' cousin. Right? The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. So here we got Jesus' cousin John standing there with two of his disciples. He's discipling people. Right? He's, he's being an imitator for them until they get to this certain place. And you know what happens? He says, there's Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. I'm going to point you to Jesus. Sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to take somebody through our walk and through our relationship to a certain point, And then we say, okay, now you go follow Jesus. Now it becomes really intimate for you. And I see this in church settings, right? Our Sunday school teachers, our preachers, our small groups, our Bible studies, all of which should be saying, behold the Lamb of God. Here is Jesus. This is who you are eventually going to follow. Eventually the cord will be cut and you will be following Jesus. And we're going to raise you up and we're going to walk with you. And here it goes, what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God. To be a doer of the word. So when God first brought me from death to life, um, because I was dead in my sins and my trespasses, uh, I've heard the name of Jesus but I didn't necessarily know about his purpose or the work that he came to accomplish. And I've also heard about the Bible, but I didn't know that it was in the inspired word of God, that it was living and active, that it was the revelation of God's love to man and all about Jesus. So when I first opened the Bible, uh, it was all strange to me um, until I had an encounter with the Lamb of God. We're going to go on to now to verse 37. The two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw and followed them, saying, What are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and stayed with them that day, for it was about the tenth hour. You know what? In our discipleship relationship, when we're encountering people, when people are coming into our doors or our homes or our workplaces, right, and, and they, they, they just don't know. They're just there. Because if you noticed in this story, Jesus asked them a question. Jesus asked them, um, uh, what are you seeking? And, and their response was, where are you staying? They deviated. They deviated the question. They sidestepped it because they didn't know. You know what? Sometimes they just knew that they needed to be there. Sometimes in our welcoming and our things, we kind of rush things. You know, or, you know, here, here take, take this course and we forget, hey, who are you? How are you doing? When I start my discipleship relationships, it's usually not around a Bible study or the Word of God. It's around a dinner and a conversation and a who are you and how are you doing, which to me is the greatest evangelical question because I dated my wife six years after I came to Lebanon and 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 I that's I didn't start off like in love with her or dating her but I'll never forget my first weekend at Cafe Baraka where I was sitting at a table and I was lost and I didn't know where I belonged or what was going on or what was going to happen or who these strange people were because Christians were usually strange you were different you know, smiling and all I didn't, I didn't get all that, right? And I sat at the table, and I had my Bible, and my Bible was really my comfort blanket. I didn't bring it in to read. I just didn't know what to do with myself. 
And Deborah comes over and she sits at the table and goes, how was your week? And that was six years before I fell in love with her. We were talking some 17 years ago. And I remember that question. Because I, I was super involved in Christianese at the time. And, you know, I was oversaved. And, and, and you know, I didn't understand things. But she said, how, how are you doing? And that's, 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 that's where I start. And if you notice, Jesus doesn't go back. And say, no, I asked you what you were seeking. You know what he says? He says, come, follow me. And then they did what? They stayed with him. Right? There, there's, there's this idea of building within our discipleship relationship so that when we're making room and we're bringing people into our lives, we're doing so in a way where we're building a relationship with, a, with another human being, with a person. And since they didn't know what they were seeking, uh, they may have felt awkward when asked that question. But they knew that they wanted to be with Jesus. I think also when we just step out in faith to trust God and trust that he will lead us where he wants us to go, that even if we don't know all the answers, that he'll bless that, right? So even if we stumble about, that he'll guide us. And not only is he sending us, that he's also going with us. Amen. Going to continue on. One of the two who heard John speaking and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, I love this. I, a young Christian, right? right? And what do I want to do? I want to knock on every door. In Lebanon. Jay McCumber asked me one time, Mike, how many doors are you going to knock on? And I said, every one of them. Right? Because when you're young and you're into faith, you're, you're eager. And right, what did Andrew do? Like, he dropped everything and went and got his brother. Right? He got the closest person that, that he could get that loves him. Right? And that's, that. sometimes the older Christians can do a disservice by, by hindering hindering the young ones because they don't know enough. And you know what? There's too many classes. There, there, there's too much preparation and teaching. We, we need to let people go. I remember being in prison, okay, and, and I was, all I knew was Jesus loved me. I knew for a fact that I didn't love Jesus because I didn't trust him yet, right? I'm just being real with you, okay? And I'm in prison, and I knew that Jesus loved me, and that felt really good. That felt really good that for the first time in my life, I was free from a heroin addiction because Jesus Christ had saved me. And I believe that he saved me. I wasn't sure about the Lord part yet because I didn't really understand a lot. Right? But I knew, and I had a Muslim celly. And my Muslim celly would ask me questions like, if Jesus was God, why would he die? Can God die? And I'd be like, wow, that's a really good question. Like, I don't know. I don't know, but Jesus loves me. That, that was my response. And he asked me a bunch of other questions, right? And that was my response every time. But Jesus loves me. And I remember one time I went in to see the parole officer, to see that uh, they were, not parole officer, uh, public defender. Public defender before my court hearing to, to, to discuss how much time I am possibly going to do. And I was doing time. There was no getting out. I know that, right? And I'm at the court, I'm in, in the, the room, and he tells me, you're looking at uh, uh, 5 to 10. 
And I walked out of the cell and I was smiling. And I ran into my celly. My celly said, what they say to you? And I said, well, they told me I was probably looking at five to ten. And he said, and you're smiling? And you know what I said? Yeah, Jesus loves me. <laughs> That's all I knew. Amen. And sometimes that all we know is perfect. I fully expect to see him in heaven. I do. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I couldn't tell you. If, like, if he walked in there now, I wouldn't be able to say that's that dude because my life was a mess at the time. Anyhow, um, sometimes I think it's important that we just bring people to Christ. Arai is over here. Arai is almost a year, um, and, and they, they are in the hospital, and they're given, having a baby, and, and guess what Sean and Danielle are doing? They're inviting the doctors and nurses to come to our church. <laughs> so, go ahead. So, like, I never understood before why people evangelized, right? I never understood before why people would come knock on your door uh, or people were on the street corner handing out uh, tracks. books, tracks, uh, or, or, or praying for people. But after looking upon Jesus and having that relationship, I get it now. Once you see him and know him, everything else in this world just just grows dim. Amen. Going on to verse 43. I say that because he's controlling the thing. <laughs> the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel, very much like Andrew, right? Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom who Moses in the law and also the prophets write, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Now, I love Nathanael. That's, he, this is my kind of guy, right? Because he, he, he's not sure, right? And he's a little cynical, right? He's a little, little abrasive, right? I mean, if you know me, I mean, I think I relate most to this guy right here, right? He's critical. He's reluctant, right? And what's he, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's a little biased, right? He's got some, got some stuff with him. And 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold an Israelite indeed of whom there is no deceit. That's a joke, people. That, that is a hilarious joke. That Jesus is saying here, he knows Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So here's an Israelite of whom there is no deceit. And, and what's the response? How do you know me? Wow. Like he's like, yep, you got it. I'm the guy with no deceit. Right? There's nothing wrong with me. Right? And then Jesus just cuts to the core and he hits him right in the heart answers him before Philip called you you were under the fig tree and I saw you now, I don't know what happened but there he brought out something that was only intimate for him only something that Nathaniel could understand and his response teacher rabbi you are the son of God the king of Israel I, I I think there's a bigger story I don't know like when I read between the lines but but wow he brought he starts it off with a joke then he reveals himself. Sometimes we're walking with people who are tough. They're cynical. They're reluctant. They, they have questions. They're, 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 they're just hard to work with. 
Right? Just keep going. Just keep going. Because it's not you that can do the work, but Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ says, hey, I, I, I saw you at the fig tree, that miracle happens. When he reveals something so intimately personal to you, something happens. So I'm, I'm running around the streets of Philly with needles in my pocket, and I'm, I'm robbing people, and, and I'm sticking them up. And, and I, I run into a guy, and he tells me, and long story short, right? He tells me, if you cry out to God, he'll save you. And the night in Kensington, running around, I said, God, if you're real, save me. And you know what? I made it to an altar call in prison two months later. And the guy said, if anybody wants to accept Christ in their heart, come forward or raise your hand. I forget what he did. And, and it, to me, I thought, why didn't somebody ask me this question a long time ago? I, you know, matter of fact, the next six services, this guy kept saying the same thing. I kept coming up. Right? I didn't I didn't know. Somebody pulled me to the side and said, You don't need to come up every time. <laughs> but but the light bulb went off. You just don't know when that's gonna happen. And for Nathaniel, that it happened. Um, when I truly started following Jesus uh, and recognizing him as my king and as my savior, uh, I started realizing how broken my life was, how empty and lost I actually was. So I can relate to Nathaniel when he says Rabboni, when he calls him teacher, because Jesus Christ is truly my teacher. Through relationship with him and through the holy scriptures, it has been a transformation of my heart, my desires, which has played out into my actions, all my do's and don'ts, the way I lead, the way I speak, and everything else in my life. So Jesus Christ is my teacher, is my Lord, and is my King. You know what, Cornerstone? Sometimes you're just not going to be enough. Church, friends, family, community, this is not enough. Until we have a real encounter with the living God. So where, where are you at in this, if this were a thing? Are you a John the Baptizer or John the Baptist, whatever you want to call him? Uh, I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, some people get serious about that. Uh, are you someone who's pointing to Jesus and saying, behold, the Lamb of God. There he goes. What about like uh, the two disciples? You're following Jesus, but you really don't know why. It's just good enough to be there. You know, I'm not really ready to make any commitments yet. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going. But I'm just, I just want to, I just want to be here. Right? This is, this, you come to church and you're awkward and things are weird and Christians are hugging. He had a big <laughs> thing about that. Name tags that say hugs. Hugs. That's awesome, bro. He said they were hugging him <laughs> at our church the first day he came in. Yeah. And he thought, we don't do that on the streets. <laughs> are you an Andrew? Right? And you just want to go get your brother, your sister, your friend. You want to go tell people. Right? Or you and Nathaniel. You know what? You're really reluctant. You're not sure. You're critical. Could anything good come out of Nazareth? These are just four examples of how we can make space and understanding a little bit about the differences of people that God places in our lives. The core fundamental truth is that we need to follow Jesus. We need to be, and you can put that up, this last one here, 
uh, an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we all did that? We all had one or two. Jesus had three in the inner circle, and we all had somebody who we were discipling. And then they were discipling. Then they were discipling. So, so I took Sean's own point to be the assistant pastor of Freedom in Christ in three years. And, and we went through a training. Um, Mike taught a class, did really good. And, and we went through this training. And before I started the training, I said, Sean, I'm going to do this training so that next year you can teach it. So as you're learning this and as you're a student of this, it's not for you, but it's always meant to give. That everything that we, we, we take in is not really for us, kind of like that scripture Joy read in the beginning. It's meant to give. It's meant to give away so that, so that somebody is following us until we get to that point where then they have somebody following them. But we're always doing it, always doing it for the glory of the kingdom of God. So with Mike, like he taught me a lot of things that I didn't know, how to pray with my family, how to pray with my wife at night, um, how to pray and give thanks to God uh, for everything, the good and the bad, and in turn, disciples that make disciples. So now I have a group of men that come and do a Bible study with me that are shy to pray out loud, don't pray with their wife, don't lead their family in these ways, but we have these conversations. And it's a beautiful thing when someone emulates Christ to you and you follow them because you're not exactly sure how to follow Jesus. So. Amen. I hope we know this, right? That without Jesus, none of this is possible. And we come together gathering to give God the glory that is due to his name. No other reason. We come here collectively this Sunday, the 13th of June, to give God the glory that is due to his name. This is not about being a better discipler. It's not really even about making space for somebody or learning how to do that. It's not about being a better church. It's not about making this room. It's about how can we seek Jesus Christ? How can the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that he poured out, that he cried out, it is finished, so that, so that we can be saved, so that we can be rectified, so that the great exchange can happen where, where our debt is transferred to Jesus Christ on a cross, our debt of sin, and the wages of sin are death, and then he gives us his righteousness, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And, if, and, if, and if that is the case, and that is the good news, and this is the gospel, this is, this is something, this is front page, beautiful stuff. This is what this is about. What Christ did and I couldn't. And now that I am His and in Him, I'm going to follow Him. And in following Him, you have to have somebody else with you. Because Jesus didn't walk alone. I mean, even at the cross, John was there. Right? And that's what it's about, loving Jesus in such a way. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. I ask that you raise up men and women 
to love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love their neighbor as yourself. Be glorified in Christ Jesus. Amen. As the worship team gathers, I do have I do have something. Um, yeah, you can get off the stage. I, I, this isn't a benediction. I'm not stealing the thunder here. But a lot of times a benediction in, in, in Psalm 67 is given, and it goes, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And, and we stop there and we don't read the next verse. Right? Because we want God to be gracious to us. And we want God to bless us. We want God to shine his face upon us. But do you know there's a purpose? And the, the second verse gives the purpose. And this is Psalm 67, 1 and 2. The second verse says that your way may be known on all the earth, your saving power among all nations. God wants to be known. And the way he's known is through us. And he chooses that. Be blessed.